Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. And today I've got the pleasure of speaking to Charles Cormier. He's calling us here from Mexico. I'm over here in Florida. Welcome to the podcast, Charles. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for having me excited to share value today. Absolutely. So yeah, we were chatting here a little bit before about business and life. But before we do that, we want to get to know Charles. What tell let's start with your first job, Charles. What was your first job? Oh my God. Like my LinkedIn is wild. I have 40 work experiences in there. Okay. Um it it goes like really in depth with every single job that I had, and you'll see some very wild and outrageous and um almost like you know like I'm, I'm sometimes ashamed to read it but my first job let me think here i was this um packager in this art store it's called omar desire i'm from montreal canada my okay. desire i think they they changed name but basically it's it's a it's a chain i think they're they're somewhat successful it's very cool because it's all this this art stuff, paint, canvas, everything you want. And my role was to package up stuff. I didn't know it at the time, but it was for uh, two months uh, that I, I would be hired. In my mind, it was like, oh, I was hired like pretty much for life there. And I'm going to get the job, you know, and it's going to make me a lot of money. But no, they just hired me for the, the Christmas holidays. And next thing I know, well, they, they tell me that they don't have a job for me. So that was... Uh, high, and then I experienced, you know, one of my first, um, or like, let's say, probably a fifth or tenth big defeat in my life. I was quite depressed after getting let go. How old were you at that time? I was like 16. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I feel you. Nobody likes to get fired or removed from what they're doing, especially if it's giving you pleasure. So, yeah. So let, let's talk about your first business venture. So obviously you went, you worked for other companies, you did different projects, mm -hmm. but what was your first venture into business for yourself? Dude, I need to pull out my LinkedIn because I have so many, but if, if we dig my brain for two seconds here, um, I began selling, I began buying and selling iPod touch. Okay. So we have this website, uh, called kijiji.ca in Canada. Uh, it's kind of uh, an eBay or a Craigslist. Yeah, it's more like a Craigslist, you know, where you list stuff that you want to sell. And obviously then you can meet the person and buy it. So what I would do, and I got inspired by um, one of one friend of mine in w which we would want to start a, a business. And I, I, I said wanna because we never got to start it. I, I can share more about that one too after, but he inspired me to buy these iPod Touch at 60 or 40 bucks and sell them for 100, 120. And, and then that got me into uh, basically buying stuff on AliExpress, um, which is, you know, this Chinese uh, Alibaba. Amazon. Yeah, Alibaba. Uh, Jack Ma, nice book, nice, uh, nice little biography there. Um, and yeah, I would sell, you know, these ties that I would buy for $1 and I would resell for 20, 40, $60. So the markup was pretty nice, right? I used to sell all kinds of stuff there. And have if I have one lesson for your audience or, or for people that haven't started yet, um, you know, like lots of people say, follow your passion. And yes, it is important. Passion is like this 
unlimited fuel. But if you want to start, you know, everyone has one passion and is it is money. So try to go after what makes money. Obviously, there's the ethical question that comes to it, and be careful with with where you you step in because it's it's very easy to become unethical. But what really got me started is money. So that the markups, you know, buy something for one and make 60 bucks out of it. And that that's what got me started in this entrepreneurial game. Well, that's really good advice there. And I absolutely agree with it, that there is a, a balance between your passion or your why, and then turning a profit so that you could stay in business and serve other people and have employees and, and, and just overall, you can help lots of people. But if you're just passionate, and you know your why, but the thing doesn't make money, it won't make sense for long, right? Yeah, the thing is, and this, I think it's important when people give advice that they they give some uh, kind, of, kind of boundaries to them. So this advice is very good and valuable for someone that's, that's new to business and mostly someone that's young. I, I know it's not necessarily your audience. And by the way, I'm yet to be a dad. I'm, I'm dad of this little dog that's standing right next to me. Can't see her. But um, <laughs> this advice is for, for someone that is probably 17, 18 or 19. Why? Because these kids, they, most of them, they don't know their why. 90% of students out there, even though they have counselors and all these things, they don't know their why. But they know one thing. And their their why is that they want to have money to have their independence, right? They want to get away from mom and dad. And that was me back in the days. I knew that this money could um, get my independence, which would eventually lead to my digital nomad journey. You know, me buying my first plane ticket to, to Mexico, uh, me meeting my wife, me buying my first Airbnb, um, and, and being independent. Because do you agree that this is the priority when you're young? being independent absolutely freedom you want freedom yeah. you want it all you want the money you want the the, the things that uh, make you happy that might be a nice yeah. car a nice place and and you're right you can't just do that with passion yeah and the the next step in life in my opinion once you find out uh once you have the money you know because i i had this money young i had this bmw i had the gold watch i had the gold chain uh, i was mr ego in person you know look at me um, and once you maxed out th this this phase of your life and you understand that this will only bring you to some extent, to some level in terms of happiness, then yes, you, you're, you're searching for your why. Because I also think that most uh, young people out there, they're not in an urgency to find out their why. Their why is materialistic, mostly it's money. It, with the education I had prior to 17 years old was uh, video games and rappers like 50 Cent telling me that it was all about uh, bitches and money. Not sure if I can swear on this podcast, by you the can. way. You <laughs> can. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, dads, you will you will hear me swear a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. But um, I had very few education about my why, you know, and I think that that's why I'm on a mission nowadays to educate people about these kinds of things and bring guidance uh to younger people. So I, I started um, this, this kind of uh, foundation, if you want, it's called, it's called Founderly. Um, and basically our goal is to help uh, younger individuals uh, to get their first work experience and to get some kind of mentor, you know, someone to guide them towards their why and a, a greater um, vision than if they would be 
by their own. And the or first initiative that we deployed, the first action we did this year was the internship program that we have at Top Leads now. If you want, I'll, I'll talk about Top Leads a bit later, but um, we basically recruit very young people, you know, 18, 19, and most of the time they, you know, have a why, you know, which is why I'm talking to you about all of this. They don't have much ethics either. You know, it's like, yeah, let's just sell this, this thing. And it doesn't matter if we deliver or not. And that cause is, is very, very near my heart because I think I've, I've kind of been misguided like many youngsters when I was young. I kind of wish, um, I, I kind of wish I would have found my direction earlier. Mm -hmm. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I work with um, Young Entrepreneurs Academy, NFTE, which is the largest uh, foundation nonprofit in the United States for nice. young people in entrepreneurship. And yeah, you know, the, the kids who come through there, some of them have some exposure, maybe their parents own a business. So they want to change the world. They want to be the next Greta Thunberg, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so they want to do something altruistic. But then you have others who are like, hey, man, I just want to own a business so I could be like Mark Cuban or this guy or that guy. And you're like, listen, it, 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 money is great. And you're absolutely right. But, um, you, you know, you don't want to get into something that you know nothing about. So how are you going to get there? So talk to me. And, and to those first stage entrepreneurs, because I do have many first stage entrepreneurs in their early 20s who listen to this podcast, they're always looking for like the tool, the hack, the resource that can help them. So like if you go back to that first venture that made you successful, what were some of the things that or, or skills that you acquired or leaned upon if it was from an, someone on your team? What were some of those things that you would say, look, these are monumental i mean it could be legal it could be accounting what what are some of those dude i have so many of, of these by the way I'm, I'm gonna check out greta thunberg thank you for for that um i knew her from her face before but i'm gonna research her a bit more and by the way i had a mastermind this morning an agency mastermind and sometimes there's young dads out there uh one of the mastermind member i think he's 22 and he's a dad um, I'm 27 yet to be a dad, but I think that there's still a bunch of young dads out there. And this guy, it's his first venture, his first entrepreneurial venture. So okay. I, I see a lot of uh, young dadpreneurs out, out there. Uh, coming back to your question, ambition. Ambition is the first keyword that like uh, starts uh, when, when I was young. Now, what is ambition? I don't use the word ambition much nowadays. By the way, 50 Cent has a song. It's called Ambition. Pretty good. <laughs> um, and and uh, why did I use this word? Uh, nowadays, ambition, I would kind of, it's kind of a synonym with a bit of ego, if you want, or mm -hmm. or vision also, because it's not only negative, it's, it's very much positive, probably 80% mm -hmm. positive. I, I have an obsession with words nowadays. Uh, by the way, and ambition is the word that I would use back in these days. Was be it would be my password to many of my accounts. Actually, ambition something. Um, ambition. Why am I saying ego? Because when I was younger, I had a huge ego. Um, I would argue with everyone about everything, and I would <laughs> always want to win. And I was destined to be a lawyer. Fortunately, they didn't accept me in the program, which was another <laughs> of my big defeats in life. Um, very disappointing. I had an average core of 85%. They didn't accept me, but thank God, because, and one of my good friends, he got accepted and I'm very grateful for him. And this is not to, to blaspheme on, on anything, but yeah, I don't think that lawyer is a happy path to life. Ambition um, 
it it brought me it i i wanted something greater for myself i also had mm-hmm. somewhat of an experience with the the actual um jobs and you know like being being an employee in nine to five so i knew that i wanted something greater than that uh, i also like money so that was a big mod- motivator but ambition is is what truly got me started and motivated me to get to go for something higher one of my first startups also around that time um it was a t-shirt company it was called carpe diem very very uh how do you say like a average and uh kind of we thought about naming it yolo but we we referred yeah. that to, to carpe carpe diem but it was t-shirts and the concept would be that there would be instagram square pictures on the the t-shirt or tumbler type you know with the lady the car the mansion and like some kind of phrase you know saying okay like uh, strive for the sky or whatever and that one didn't lift up by the way we produced in total two shirts <laughs> two <laughs> prototypes and but you can still sense you know the ambition and the ego and, and what type of individual I was in these days and that's not bad because this is what this is what caused the big bang you know this is what caused the me to to start something and one could say that Mark Cuban is still on this track now to this day i i don't think that i nowadays i'm more of a richard branson or elon type uh, in terms of mentality but ambition is the skill and that should be like the 80% focus don't don't go in if you're not like naturally motivated to go something that's bigger than yourself now to skills i'll, I'll just take a couple more second to to answer this question but back sure. in these days um it was creativity mostly uh prototyping stuff bringing ideas to the table communicating with my co-founder um what we wanted because most of these business they they never lifted but if you talk about the money generating ones um sales obviously sales is a huge one, one having the guts to buy these items of aliexpress mm-hmm. most people would never think these items would arrive and they would arrive in 30 to 40 days but i would tell uh, the audience here that sells and even up to this day guys i haven't cracked the sales code and for god's sakes that's what i've been doing for last seven years you know uh cold emailing uh calling people closing transactions obviously nowadays i'm more of a ceo more of a leader more of a marketing person r&d person my roles have transitioned but back in these days it was the selling aspect i had the tie i had to convince the guy um actually 80% of the sale was already done because he had to show up with his car spend money on some gas to go see the items um but sometimes you know he they wouldn't want to buy it and then i would have another tie that i would show them or other items like t-shirts or stuff like that stuff that i bought of china um and they would buy and i would be very convincing to to them and very customer service e type of person oh you want this i'm okay i'm going to go grab you this glass of water okay yeah come in my house you know and come come and see and next thing i know i had this 60 dollar bill which is the equivalent to a 60,000 dollar bill nowadays <laughs> at, at the stage that i'm in and that was really rewarding right the serotonin system shooting dopamine in my brain a lot of, of times so yeah sells sells is the skill i was good at back in the days and so well no and that's that's a great skill to always have even if you don't you're not naturally Uh, uh, an extrovert or someone who 
has learned how to persuade people. And, but, but I think what's interesting about ambition is that with ambition, unlike, let's say, dedication or commitment, mm -hmm. some of the other words that come to mind, there's a big difference there because with ambition, it's like it, 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 you're trying to get to a level of power. And that's sort of like what you should do for every business or every product you launch. You, you have yep. to have the end in mind first and then work backwards. Whereas, you know, with commitment and dedication, it's just a must. Like nothing is going to work if you're not committed or dedicated to it. Yeah, I would describe it as like a jet fuel ambition, mostly because of my genetics and the environment I've been putting. Uh, that's how I've been conditioned. Then dedication and, and these things, this is what comes after. You know, it's like the keto diet in which you burn some carbs before and then you fuel on fat. That's the fat version is like dedication and all of these things. <laughs> Nowadays, I, I need dedication and I need resilience in some of my business. You know, I can't rely on jet fuel anymore. It, I need to do the thing. And my discipline game is, is has been on top, like probably one year after I've, I've been in the entrepreneurial game. Just to touch back quickly on, so on the extrovert introvert scale, uh, oddly enough, I do not consider myself as an extrovert. Um, I'm very much introverted. One sign could be that I'm looking up while I talk to you, you know, I'm this kind of not weird person, but I think a lot, you know, I think a lot about lots of things. And um, earlier in my life, I was extroverted after some period in which I was less successful with friends, let's say, and, and ladies in high school, I became more introverted, you know, playing World of Warcraft, nerdy type of, of person. And that, that brought also the introverted aspect of two things. And I think the mix of introvert and extrovert is a superpower because I can relate to both, you know, introverts and extroverts. I can be this extroverted guy, like right now in this podcast can talk to you, but I can be in a dark room retreat. Like I've been last weekend for three days by myself in the dark for three mm -hmm. days. And I, <laughs> was this hard? No, hell no. What right. is hard for me though is, for example, a silent retreat in which they will, they will have a schedule. You shall meditate at this time. You should do yoga at this time. I don't like rules, right? But being by myself in my own head, I could be there forever. No. Yeah, no, that's deep right there. And absolutely. And I think that we all go through those uh, sorts of uh, ebbs and flows in life. Yep. I know for me, I was always an extrovert uh, from the age of like 10. I was selling. I okay. want to sell, sell, sell. But that, as I got older kind of like you younger, I want to argue every point, this and that I know everything. <laughs> but as I get older, and the more I learn, the less I feel like I know about things. And the more I feel like it's okay, that's not what it's about. It's not always about being competitive in everything that I do. I just mm. got to do me never compare myself to anyone else. So that's exactly. one of the things that I tell first stage entrepreneurs, don't look at what your neighbor's doing, just mm. focus on what you're doing and then keep going at it. And Hell so yeah. It, it, that's that's just something that, that I've learned over time. Now, talk to me about in in today's business. I know you do. You have your mastermind groups. You have the the sales training. You have um, well, not sales, but the email training. I get yeah, a lot of questions, email. Charles. I get a lot of questions about cold email. Uh, yes. First of all, not even cold, even email when you're actually acquiring from an mm -hmm. actual ad campaign. There is yeah. some people out there, businesses who business owners, small business owners who think email is dead. It doesn't work. I know it works because I've been doing <laughs> it for <laughs> almost funny. two decades. But tell us about some of the tips that you give 
in your mastermind groups. Of course, we're going to put the link to your site and all that. But what are some tips that you can give? I've got a bunch, but one big is that copywriting is a mother skill. Uh, it's a top 10 skill, definitely, if you ask me, uh, to have as a founder, if recruiting is one, if leadership is another, if problem solving is another, if emotional intelligence is also top 10. Copywriting is certainly uh, has a solid place, uh, in my opinion, in, in the top 10 skills to have as a founder in 2022. Okay. Why? And I'm starting from there, right? Like cold email is way down there um, because it makes you a better communicator uh, to your team, to your clients, makes you a better salesman because you deconstruct your ideas. It also works with creativity, right? Which is an element uh, that I can get in, in in what are the top tips for cold email in 2022 as I do consider myself a, a very strong authority, a probably a top five authority in the world when it comes to cold email. Um, and basically, copywriting obviously can uh, have you write a bunch of attracting uh, sales copy that will bring you meetings to your calendar. As, as per, you know, copywriting, it's everything. It's on your websites, on your LinkedIn, it's on your e- email marketing. Copywriting is super, super important. It's the attention to detail. Every word counts. That's why I have an obsession with words. Every word counts. Even right now, if I would reflect on this interview and listen to this interview later on, I will find a bunch of keywords that I, I thought, okay, maybe I should have used this other one. And that's um, how you get instead. better, right? Yeah, exactly. And you will see other very prominent uh, and successful individuals do that. You will see Tim Ferriss as a podcaster. He's always thinking of his words, you know? He's asking the question slowly and he's reflecting on the words that he used. Uh, this is very important because one word will mean something to 80% of the population. Um, and that, that's who you want to reach. One word will mean in 95% of CEOs, it will mean something to them. So that, that's the importance of, of it. Um, so be obsessed with every word that, uh, that's on your website and all that. And even myself, I'm, I'm, it's always work in progress, you know, because if you go on top leads today, we're reworking the copy. This copy is like me writing some stuff in five minutes uh, about two years ago. Uh, and, you know, I have so many things I haven't time, got time to check that. As per cold email, let's get right into it. I have a, a bunch of tips. I manage around 20 to 25 employees uh, and I constantly talk about these things, you know. Mm-hmm. But my first step is, well, what first, what is cold email? Um, cold email is sending an email to a stranger, some, someone you don't know, and you try to persuade them. And I didn't say manipulate them because the importance of word again, or spam them them. or spam Spam them. them. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'll get into the spam definition also, but, um, cold email, basically send that email to that very person. You, you kind of know what they do from a a database, which I'll I'll get into in, in a couple of seconds here. But you, you write them something intentfully with a call to action. And most of the time that call to action, in my game, it's a meeting. I want to have a 15 minutes meeting with them. Um, spamming, spamming is sending a million email to some people you don't know for something they don't need, like a red pill for their health or whatever. You know, typical case. Uh, that, that's not cold email. Cold email, I use a tool called Apollo.io. I highly recommend them. They're great. They're cheap. And I, I pair it with a tool called SendGrid. Um, and basically, that means that I can get anyone I want on LinkedIn. I can get your email, Alex. Actually, I have it in front of me right now. I can get data on you 
and what industry you are, uh, what you do, what's your title, and, and a bunch of other things, you know, and that's mm -hmm. all in this little magical tool. Then I can write an email to you to convince you to, um, I have a bunch of offers in my business right now. I'm focusing on the freebies in my business, for example, this mastermind, which I certainly invite you to, it's free. Um, but if I would still be in sales mode and still closer mode, I would want you to, to book a meeting with me for, or DFY, SDR service, which is me uh, sending emails for you, Alex, and generating you two to five meetings the first month and 1.5 xing that on a month-to-month -month basis. So the month after that, it's four to seven meetings. It's high quality meetings, okay? Everything that comes out of cold email is very high quality. Why? Because you research your people. And I don't target like Janine at her house. I target a CEO that mm -hmm. might have interest for, for my product. So the closing rate on those meetings is 30%. So I would try to convince you, Alex, to book a meeting uh, with me to talk about this thing. Now, how would I do that? Uh, first, uh, I would address you by hi, Alex, which is simple, you know, so that that's your first name. I would talk about your company. Mostly, I would talk uh, to you about a bunch of other uh, interesting topics um, as well, like that, that might uh, fit under your the things that you're passionate by, mm -hmm. I will be weird in those emails. I will not be, you know, like, hey, this is what I do and this is what I can do for you. Everyone does that, okay? Yeah, sure. There's a bunch of SDRs out there um, and they're noobs. Basically, they will send, you know, emails that, that say exactly what they do and exactly how they can fix that. So yes, you might read like books and read about ADA and all these concepts, but um, to me, I have a, a, a formula that is even more special. Now, getting there is kind of hard because you need to be weird mentally. You know, I talk about this, this weirdness and this nerdiness about myself. You need my main tip to be weird and creative in those emails and show that you're different is to read lots of books and lots of podcasts uh, and, and every sources of information which your audience also reads. Okay, so... If, if I talk about fly, if I use keywords like flywheel to CEOs, they will understand. If I talk to Fortune 500s about good to great, they will know what mm -hmm. it is. Okay, sure. so th this is keywords they can relate to, but also they need to know that I'm special. I need to take them places. I need to take them in my world, in my mental models, in how I think. And if they can relate to that thinking, then they will probably give me a shot. Um, they, just to speak to me, not even because they're much interested in my service, but just because, okay, this guy is interesting. It's worth for me taking uh, at least seven minutes of my CEO time to speak to this guy. And next thing you know, you've got a connection and that lasts forever. I plan to do business for at least 120 years and not dying, which is topics we could get into. But imagine a relationship that can last forever. How much money is that? How much value is that? How much knowledge is that? And yeah, if they have a need for what you do, everyone has a need for more meetings and sales in their business, which is what I sell, then mm -hmm. they will book a meeting with me. So, I mean, I've gone, I've gone into some kind of abstract and artistic rabbit hole here, but that's kind of my formula. This is what gets me uh, around 50 to 100 meetings per week, you know, and right. I close 30% of those and my product, they start at 1K per month. So you can imagine the, the money that's on the table here. Um, and that's only one part of my business. So cold email, use it, okay? Because if you don't use it in 2022, you're, you're, not in the, you're not playing the right game. And why am I saying that? Because one misconception about cold email as well is that it's not scalable. It's false. You plug this little tool, SendGrid, uh, your open rates, you'll see they're, they'll go 50% and, and sure. more. 
And it's game changing. It's, I mean, why do Facebook ads when you have this type of tool, you know, the, the RO, the ROI on that is, is probably like 15 to 30 times greater than Facebook ads, Insta ads, TikTok ads, you know, cause you want to compare tomatoes with tomatoes. So yeah, yeah this is pretty much what I do. It's very exciting. I like, stuff. no, I like it, Charles. Everything you're saying is my language. I mean, for us, we've done what? 24 and a half million leads to date since 2011 that generated $9 billion with worth of sales. And we put it out there. The information is transparent for companies like Ford, Allstate, big companies. And I say Mm -hmm. to them, why do you think those big companies came to not only me? I know I have a lot of friends, peers in my industry who've been doing it for just as long. Why do you think they come to guys? Because it works. And I'm, I'm specifically re- uh, um, referring to email here, doing email. Now there's different methodologies, different systems out there. And I so appreciate that you shared with us uh, from a high level, what your strategy is. But the bottom line is it works. It is yeah. one very <laughs> strong channel that can bring your cost per acquisition way down oh, yeah. and increase your profitability at a level that like you said, it's very hard to compare to the paid uh, channels. Um, yeah. Certainly you have customers who are in the paid channel. So I would tell any clients who wants to scale is if you have a, a segment of your customers here and there, there, then, and if you have enough budget, then go everywhere and then measure it yep, and exactly. see which one works best. However, if you're not using email, you are missing out in a big, big way. So what yeah. you gave us is invaluable. And I appreciate Look, I'll, that. I'll try to make it simple also in four steps because that was the artistic version, which is very much relevant for like CEOs that are same or equal level as, as I am, although I'm not seeing to compare here, but you, you know what I'm saying. Um, for very like high level thing, cold emails about four things, right? First, finding the right contacts. Apollo will help you do that. Second, writing great copy. I touch on the copy point. Uh, that, that's the five minutes rent I just went into or seven or whatever. Third, <laughs> third is getting in the inbox, SendGrid, okay? Connect with yeah. SendGrid. Fourth, A-B test obsessively, like you mentioned. And not just in cold email, but in life. Test everything. Go taste all the colors of the rainbow and see what, what color you, you prefer. And yeah, that, that's a, a quick summary. And to the points that, that you just mentioned, also cold email, it's the sources of, of the leads. You won't find CEOs, uh, well, very successful and wealthy CEOs on Facebook. Sorry, but no. you won't. Know, Even no. on TikTok, you know, they, they spend 0.1 second per year right. on TikTok. Um, and th- that's one thing. And second, everyone checks their emails, you know, like a CEO, he checks their emails. And I can target CEOs uh, on Apollo that make more than 100, well, their business, they make more than $100 million per year. I can target people that have been funded. I can target people that are looking to hire account execs, you know, I can target people that are using HubSpot on their website. Mm-hmm. It is frigging magical. Use it. It is. No, I love, I love what you're saying. We've used Apollo as well. Um, yeah. We've used, uh, what's the name of the other one? Something Rocket. Can't remember. Uh, Rocket Something. Reach. There's Outreach as well. Yeah, Outreach. That That's the one I was thinking Outreach. about. Outreach. Out, yep, Outreach. There's a bunch. There's a bunch and they're great tools. And, and the more information, I think you're right. You hit it on the head. It's having that information so that you know what your what your copy is going to be about, yeah. how you're going to solve, because you know you're going to solve the problem for them. I mean, you have, whether you're selling B2B or B2C, chances are 
there's a need there. You just have to sort of create, not manipulate, like you said, but yeah. create that, that interest, which I think w- when you're talking about the creativity and being weird, that's what you're talking about is being persuasive, yeah. making it interesting. Cause how often do you read an article, uh, whether it's on a magazine or, or even write reading a book where you're like, this is really dry, not fun. I don't like the story, which I, I talked about it in my book. Look, I said it in my book. If you got my book because you were looking for entertainment, eh, sorry, it wasn't mm-hmm. about creative writing. It was about giving you a system. So if you were in a mood to learn a new system, that's the book. But it might yeah. also put you to sleep because for some yeah. people to just kind of learn is kind of boring, right? They want yeah. that entertainment value Correct. alongside. Um, so I think it's have- both, you know, like I, I think, well, um, Depends again on the serotonin system that we addressed briefly about ambition and all of that. Uh, if I'm looking for that system, I'm going to devour your book. You know, I don't need zero motivation. This yeah. other podcaster already motivated me, telling me that I would need to go and, and that way and, and crack it. Now, I, I do believe that you need a healthy dose of motivation, pretty much everything. Um, there's this great podcast, not sure if you know it, but My First Million. Uh, they are great at doing that. They infuse a lot of serotonin. Uh, they probably go 80% uh, motivation and 20% knowledge, which is good. And I think as more as time advances, as more that this is the approach that, that we will need. I'm also very much similar to you in which that I drop like value bombs. And yeah, I, I go like 80% uh, knowledge and 20% entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I think we would need to shift the other way around as time goes because of TikTok. Because I agree. Of technology. Because I agree. of all these frigging addiction, man. Lazy thinkers. Um, <laughs> I hate yeah, to say exactly. It. That's where the, our brains are going. So, I mean, that was my two cents on that. <laughs> no, that was amazing, Charles. This is exactly why I brought you on because I knew that you you had a what I call in the book. It's it's three parts. You know, the science, art, and luck. Okay. You you hmm. can you can create and adopt all three. You say, well, how you create okay. luck? You create luck. You just do. And yeah. art and science, Dedication. You can, yeah, I mean, and you can learn the scientific side, but then you've got the art. So I put all those three Venn diagrams and then luck. Luck is just luck, but you got to put yourself in place. One of my best examples of that was a nearly $10 million deal that a, 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 yeah, a client that I brought on. I was in San Francisco at Ad Tech in 2013, oh. give or take. Nice. And I'm on the escalator, Charles. I'm on the escalator, <laughs> one of those big, tall ones. <laughs> I and see I where this to, is going. Yeah, I get to talking to the guy. We're talking. We're both headed to the bathroom and we <laughs> go to the bathroom. And un, unlike men, we get in the bathroom and we're still talking. But anyways, we connected at that place at that time. Wait, you could call it. Were you still talking to one another while taking a piss and looking at each other in the eye? Uh, no, 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 we were not. No. But <laughs> we were still talking really special. Yeah, we were still talking, but that's how that deep connection we clicked he was yeah. a very big higher up at a okay. much bigger company. And yeah. from there, we went outside, we'll probably talked for an hour nonstop, missed the, the session that we were both trying to go into. Next thing you know, we're, we're closing a deal within three months. Dude. It was my biggest customer. And I had two, wow. two or three of my employees with me. So they were out there. Wow. They were looking for new business. Celebration time. Yeah. And this guy stayed with us for, uh, you know, close to five years. And in those five years, we generated close to $10 million in revenue oh, for our company. Know. So people go, Look, man, it, yeah. And they might say it was meant to be right place. Right. time. I said, listen, <laughs> man, it was art, science and luck. 
the, yeah. the luck part was I had to get on the plane and mm-hmm. put myself in that place where opportunity was knocking and I was opening. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the art was me being creative to show him that I could offer something that someone else couldn't at that moment, right? Being yep. cre- creative and, and clicking with him. And then the science was, I know my shit. Mm. So let, let's put it to a test. Here's our software. Here's what it does. And that's the, so again, but you have to have a formula. It doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to be Charles's for you guys that are listening, but you got to get a formula and, and back to what you said, Charles, you got to test, 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 test. And until you get it right, because if you don't get it right, like you and I have had many failures, you just shut it down and move on. Next one. Dude, that's so interesting. You're making me think, you know, like I'm younger than you are. Obviously, as you might know, by the way, I shaved yesterday. I look like a five-year-old. Um, <laughs> I'm 44. And- <laughs> so yeah, I, I tried the networking game before, but the, just to briefly address it, like I went to these uh, five to seven, they call it cinq à sept in, in French, uh, in which you drink and you meet, you know, yeah. like new business people. I never closed any deals out of that. Um, although I talked to a bunch of people, but um, the the conference game, I also did some conference back in the days when I was in Hong Kong, I would walk, you know, with my little tie and, yeah. and all of that. And I, I never created any business opportunities out of that. But I think this is a niche and this is a science because these bigger companies, these people, they're paid to go there and they're, they, they that- can't you can crack business. So just tell me, tell me a bit more about it. And also tell me if you think that conferences are back on track with COVID and everything. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Conferences are back. I wrote an article on Forbes uh, in 2016 okay. called a, a serial conference goers guide to <laughs> networking. Okay, shit. I need yeah. to read that. Yeah. And it, and, and it was, you know, an actual game plan, the pre-conference, the during conference and post-conference like okay. a game. So I I use a lot of sports analogies in there. Yeah, a lot of sports analogies, but there is a game plan. The Mm. the part that most people get wrong is literally the pre-conference and post-conference. So even if they do all that work a month, two, three, going into it, using cold email, using a lot of those tactics. Like, for example, we would typically go to a conference. If there Mm -hmm. was four of us, we're booking north of 120 meetings, literally. I mean, and people say, wait a minute. So each of you are doing about 30 meetings over the course of two days. Yes. Local. We're not, we're not just like buying a ticket and then showing up to the conference and then hoping for the best at the exhibit hall or at mm. the sessions, the yeah. sessions and the exhibit hall is one third of what we would do at the conferences. Mm. So exhibit hall might create some luck opportunities there. And then the, the, the sessions we go there, we got to learn. We got it. Like mm. you said, learn what the big people are learning about as well. So you know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And typically you go just to the big names, right? Um, so interesting. But, but two thirds was very strategic, was months working on meetings. Okay. Really understand who the, the decision makers are that are showing up to the conference and booking mm-hmm. those, those meetings. We went to Vegas one time, Charles, and there was no meeting rooms available in the yeah. conference hall, nowhere. Mm-hmm. So we went, I think this was at the Mirage to the high roller lounge. This was morning time. <laughs> yeah. Morning time on like a Wednesday. And okay. we said, this thing doesn't get popping until late night. You guys have this high roller lounge open. There's a bartender. What if we just buy it out for the next two, three hours? And okay. the guy said, genius. actually, we don't open until five, Freaking but genius. I'm here. We said, okay, open bar. 
we're going to bring everybody we can into this high roller lounge, which will give the perception that we're high rollers, which we were that whiskey. Yeah, man, exactly. And people were ordering whatever they wanted. And I had four, four of my biz dev guys with me and we're just, I mean, nothing but service. And wow. hitting them with knowledge and, and opportunity and doing it a little different. Now, did you close anything? Like, oh, we closed many, a lot of what, stuff. What percent? What percent out of those 30? How many? Uh, out of those 60 meetings, we're probably coming back 60. with 25, 25% closing. Okay. Wow. Now, now 25% closing, what matters is not the 25%, which would be 30 out of 120. What okay. matters is how big each one of those deals are. Because <laughs> the ticket size. Yeah, it sucks that you, you know, out of those 30, maybe 15 are, you know, maybe five figures and then the rest are all six figures, seven figure deals. However, the big thing is the post conference, what you do after, because like everybody else, they get on a plane and I would tell my guys, okay, the minute they left this meeting, it's up to you to now figure out whether they're going to forget you or remember Mm. you. All the yeah. way until they get home. Follow up. So follow up, follow up. I have, follow I have up, follow one up. tip for that one too. Um, you know, in cold email, there's a sequence of email. Uh, we typically recommend five of them. Mm-hmm. And don't follow up just to follow up. Okay. Like use that very small box, that really small real estate space smartly. Okay. Like, um, there's, there's around like 150 words you can put uh, typically without boring someone, 300 if you're an artist slash, slash cold email genius like me. But don't just say like follow up or RE, I'm following up. Hey, you didn't respond, you know. Don't use that. First, if you're addressing CEOs, you're, they'll be like, um, okay, why why do you follow up? I'm busy. Um, I, I don't follow up with people. Like, don't waste my time, you know, offer something valuable. Remind me who you are, because most people, they will forget, okay, who you are. And use that, use that um, real estate space to make them laugh, okay? Add serotonin, entertain them in, in your brain, which is another tip. And add them value through knowledge, mostly through how tips on how to operate a business or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So don't just follow up. Use this as a reminder, but also hit that serotonin shot in their brain so that even more they will remember you crack a joke drop some knowledge but don't just follow up i love that tip charles and it reminded me of someone that's been on my mind i'm not buying anything from them right now or anytime soon because i don't need it because i have a solution that is in-house this guy's name is luke he's the founder of robots He's okay. the CEO and founder of Growbots. I just Growbots, looked in my, I know them. Yeah. Yeah, so I just looked in my email. He had about uh, over the course of the last seven months, mm-hmm. he's had 12 emails. And okay. right from the jump, I told Ooh, him, I don't, I just don't have time. I have your solution. I, I just don't need it. Okay. Um, but because he did what you just outlined for us, mm-hmm. he made it his emails interesting and useful. So to me, it's no different than reading a great article. Why wouldn't I take the time to read a great article? I'm always in learning mode. So why not reach out to or why not open Luke's instead of just say you're spamming me or unsubscribe or I could put him in my blacklist. I'm not going to do that because his emails have been pretty interesting. Now, what what he doesn't know at this point, and he, he may, is that I have literally zero interest or need for what he's selling. However, Mm. if he keeps 
me interested in his content and really useful mm -hmm. stuff too. Maybe six months or 12 months from now, I'll need it. Or maybe I'll think of someone when I'm talking to someone and they mention that solution. I'll go, look, mm -hmm. I don't know this guy from Adam, but I do know he writes pretty good emails. Why don't you reach out to him? So mm -hmm. I'm giving here an example of even when it doesn't work, it can get your brand out there in front of people. Right, Charles? Yeah. And another factor, uh, email signature is obviously very important because of the limited real estate space we have in, in my business. Um, I make sure to include my social media in there. Uh, I don't like the word social media. My LinkedIn, to be precise, because I, I post a lot of stuff on my LinkedIn and I include a bunch of other things like, hey, do you want to get on my podcast? Hey, do you want to get on my mastermind? So if they connect with me on, on LinkedIn and that's the importance of cross-platform, multi-platform and, and being everywhere, not just in their cold email, but um, I, being on their LinkedIn, I post a lot of thoughtful stuff on, on my LinkedIn. If people want to follow me there, Charles sure. Cormier, um, smart stuff, you know, like not mainstream advice uh, that you often get. Um, that is a very strong factor. I convince a lot of people through them going on my LinkedIn, reading my stuff, listening to my podcast. They see that I'm different and that's just another opportunity. And last but not least, remarketing. You know, if you put a link to your website in that email signature, they will click there. They can be remarketed on other platform. Guys, I get 60 website visitors, 100 website visitors a day only mm -hmm. from cold email traffic, not other channels, not my inbound, not my mm -hmm. SEO, not my podcast, just from cold email. And these guys, every time they go on YouTube, they see my beautiful face. They get reminded <laughs> me of that. <laughs> so. I love it, man. You you have dropped a lot of great knowledge strategy on how, obviously, right. the first half of the podcast today, Charles, we talked about how you came up and what your challenges were and yeah. some of the things that you did throughout your career. But I think the second part of the podcast I'm really excited to share with our listeners is mm -hmm. because they're always looking for a solution to acquire mm -hmm. more customers at a lower cost than it is doing in paid media. So you... 100% gave us that kind of value with your content here today. We're going to put your link into the show notes. Thank you. We'll get you out there connected. And it's been such a pleasure having you on the Dadpreneur podcast today, Charles. Thank you. Thank you from a future dad. I'll need some <laughs> advice from you, Alex. You know it. <laughs>